Live from the Vault, the Aerosmith Podcast. I'm Chad Coleman, founder of Aerosmith, here with my excellent co-host, DeAndre Dow. Yes, sir. How you feeling, Chad? I'm feeling pretty good. Well, to be honest, I'm I'm like uh I'm kind of tired as fuck today. I, I had uh one of those nights last night where I, I had to get a bunch of stuff done and then you know how like when you um when you do it when you when you have a busy day and then you finally get to chill and stop. Like your mind is still going like a, a mile a minute. That's the worst. You can't even go to sleep sometimes. Yeah. It's like, I really needed like a switch where I could just like turn it off and be like, all right, it's like 1130. I, I should just turn off and, and go. But then eh, maybe I'll just Google some stuff about my hobbies and maybe I'll look for some information. And then next thing you know, it's one thirty, and I'm like, damn it. I got to be up at six. So yes, such as uh, hashtag entrepreneurs life, right? Exactly. Yeah, which actually brings me to uh, the kind of main subject that I wanted to discuss today. And uh, it's kind of ironic because I really wanted to talk about entrepreneurship as whole, as a whole and the things that we see that prevent folks out there who maybe have considered starting a business um, that prevents them from, from doing it. You know, the fears they have around that. And I wanted to address that what I think is really unique about entrepreneurship is the fact that it is challenging. You know, so many, I don't know how you grew up, man, or what, like what your parents taught you, but like, you know, just growing up playing sports and stuff, I was always taught that like, if it's worth doing, it's probably not that easy. Right. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, and I, I think entrepreneurship is a perfect example of that. And I think there's a lot of things, obviously, like if you want to get better, I know you're into boxing and to, to get, I mean, it's, I I've done like one boxing class once and I was just, you know, you walk in there, you think you're thinking, Oh yeah, well I know how to punch and I know. How to, and then you realize, Oh no, I actually don't. Right. You can learn the hard way as far as that. If we're talking about boxing and everything, but I think uh, what you just said, as far as if it's worthwhile, then it's most likely not going to be easy to, either do or obtain, right? But I feel like you can apply that to anything in life. Relationships aren't easy. Right. Is it worth it is the question, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you take any skill, you do something every single day, it's eventually going to become a part of you. Right. And it's all about the mindset. So that's how it's so easy to get caught up in the momentum of everything that you're doing. Yeah. And kind of forget like, yo, I, I got to protect my energy at the same time so I'm able to give out so much. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Balance those scales. I definitely have that issue going on because I feel like it's a part of my business to give my energy to people. And that's fine. I like doing that. I created this business the sort of the way I wanted it to be created, you know? Um, But nonetheless, it is pretty unique, like, uh, and not to whine (laughs) because uh, I feel really blessed. But, uh, but, you know, it is pretty unique to have like a startup where, you know, where you have like, I think most startups are like product oriented or if they are a service, it's super um, streamlined or maybe like software as a service. That's kind of what people typically think of, of startups or um, startup businesses. And, you know, they don't have clients, you know, they don't have people that, uh, that deserve and, uh, and, you know, uh, the attention and the energy. And so, yeah, but I guess every entrepreneur deals with that, right? Like it's always the the customers come first, and then in the end, you know, when you're when you're done with dealing with all that, is when you get to work on your own stuff and make that next evolution of your company happen. 
And you know what makes that feeling so crazy? Is that it's the loneliest feeling in the world sometimes to start your own business where you like, you want to get people to believe in everything that, you know, you're putting out there pretty yeah. much in the universe and getting people to subscribe to your idea. Yeah. It could just be, you know, that takes it's, a lot. It does take a lot of effort. It's really on you. Even if you're trying to hire staff, Chad, or something like that or whatever, it's like, yo, you, <laughs> these people are essentially investing their time and energy and trying to help you advance your cause and purpose. Right. Which is really hard to find great people. We're definitely going to have to have uh, my main man, Dave Needleman on sometime and, and kind of talk about that stuff for sure. But, um, but yeah, like it's, it's so difficult to uh, find people that are even a fraction as passionate about your concept as you are. And I think, you know, uh, I think people may have, because we're so passionate as founders, I think that we go into it and think, oh, well, when I hire someone, they're instantly somehow going to be infused with all the passion that I have mm -hmm. and uh, for the, my business. And boy, is it a reality check when you realize, oh, okay, this person's here to collect a paycheck. <laughs> and, you know, that's... That's nothing personal. Yeah, I mean... Me, that's business. Exactly. You know, like trading time for money. That's compensation. I feel like time is money at the end of the day. Absolutely. You and now, you know, our relationship is different, but that's why we get different results with our relationship. Right, right. You see what I'm for saying? For sure. Like money doesn't dictate what goes on between you and I. Totally. Absolutely. One hundred percent agree with that. And and it's uh it's but when you're first starting out, you know, it's so important. And like, you know, it's really your duty as a leader to inspire them to the point that they do care more about it than just checking the box and 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 punching the time clock. Um, but it's also like, you know, I, I, I used to work with a boss that had this phrase that you need hunters and you need farmers, you know, and you can't have a whole company filled with hunters, you know, uh, your founder, your leadership team maybe should be those type of people, but you also need people that are working in the background, that are doing the farming, that are doing the, frankly, some of the grunt work and, and getting things done and tending to things, you know, tending to the garden, if you will. Yeah. And I think it's about like really creating a, a mixture of those things, uh, you know, of those types of people and those personalities that ultimately create really successful startups, you know? So, um, but I think largely, you know, it's funny cause I grew up in the era where I didn't know any entrepreneurs. There were like, there were virtually no entrepreneurs in my family coming up. And in fact, almost every time, like one of my parents, friends or who happened to start a business, it was always in the context of, can you believe X is starting a business, <laughs> you know, like, what is he crazy? You know? And that's how people looked at it. Like yeah. it was not a common acceptable thing to do merely, you know, 15, 10, 15, 20 years ago, to start a business. Now that's all changed. And thankfully it has, because while it is challenging and while it, it will be different than any other, any quote unquote job that you've ever have. I believe it's one of the most valuable things that a human being can do for themselves for a number of different reasons. Man, and in return, you're actually providing the world a service as well. Like what better exchange 
Yeah. And that. It's crazy how you speak on the era that you came up in because I'm, my story as far as um, my history is based on, I feel like I, I'd say in all honestness, it started with music. It started with rap. Yeah. So as soon as I started doing the research and started tapping into these different artists and finding out like where they came from. How they made it. Right. And um, whether they chose to transition out of that and, you know, diversify their portfolio or they remain um, as relevant as long as they could. Um, you saw the difference in longevity, I feel like. That's why you have the Sean P. Diddy Combs, the Jay-Z's, Sean Carter's, uh, the Master P's, the Jay Prince's, um, the people that have maintained relevancy and more so have diversified and leveled up their business acumen to kind of expand upon their initial brand, their initial offering to the public. So for me, it was actually, it was actually the cool thing to do. It was the cool thing to actually watch coming up. Is these rappers turning into pretty much like just these like moguls? These, yeah, these guerrilla entrepreneurs. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's a great start. And in fact, I, you know, thinking about it, it's funny that you brought that up because, you know, I, I did know that about you that you started in the music business, and I never really considered that that I did too. You know, I I grew up playing in bands, playing music. Uh, was in like punk bands, alt bands, you know, all through high school and college. And there, and, and honestly, if I knew like a fraction of what, have I, what I know about running, like that I've learned in running a business or yeah. multiple businesses, right? Uh, then I feel like, wow, I would have been so much more successful as a musician. <laughs> Maybe I wouldn't have to do all this work in a mansion with P. Diddy already. But, <laughs> but you know what? That's the perception. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's not, it ain't like that, right? You know what? I can only speak on the music industry business model. I believe it was like 2017 or something like that. They had a crazy report where the music industry as a whole uh, grossed over $12 billion and artists only collected 12% of that. Yeah. The business model isn't set up for the artists to really reap off of the value of that asset. I'll call it that because it's, you know. That's how the record company sees right. it, that's for sure. Exactly. Yeah. So unless you're touring and doing merchandising and things like that, that's why right now with no live shows yeah. and everything going it's on. It's really hurting the musicians. It really is. Yeah. You know? Because almost all the revenue. It's a weird time in music. It's it's like this strange time because, you know, I, I grew up in the era where it was all about get the record deal uh -huh. and get the big signing bonus yeah. and hope you're you know, hope and pray your, your record hits, you know? Yeah. And, uh, now it's much more entrepreneurial and much more DIY. And obviously there's no money in the, in the record. I mean, there's some money, I guess, but yeah. you, like, uh, you know, you've all, we've all heard the stories of people getting record deals and getting the hundred thousand dollar advance. But what they don't tell you is that that's going to the studio time. You're, you're still paying as an artist that. for that studio time, you know, we're going to need uh, that back. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> so it's, it's really just an advance. It's not actually payment for doing anything. Yeah. It's just an advance on the, the potential of having a good record. But to your point, the era that I came up in, we shed light on something like that. It was looked at as like, yo, if you're not moving like so-and-so, you're really not doing nothing out here. Just another rapper, as opposed to when you came up, Maybe certain it was like ones lottery. Was, it was like winning the right. lottery. When maybe I came certain up. ones was moving like that. I know James Brown pretty much owned everything that he was doing, nice. at least on the music level. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? But sure. nobody knows that. Right. You see what I'm saying? Oh yeah, absolutely. And and so the interesting thing that's happened is that like 
now I feel like, you know, pre-COVID certainly, and maybe it's changed in the midst of COVID, but, but there was this really interesting, like middle class of musicians, like, you know, um, you know, cause it was all pass or fail in, in the era that I grew up in, you know, mm. um, it was like either got a record deal or you, or you were struggling to and getting by, you know, having side jobs, being a waiter and hopefully make, you know, 50 bucks for a gig. Huh. Half the time you, <laughs> it's just free beer and chicken wings. Right. You know? <laughs> we'll take uh, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. And uh, and then, you, and then you try to eat your weight and chicken wings and drink. And drink Starving it. artist, B. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, but now it's really interesting, you know, because of the fact that it's like, <clears throat> that you don't have to have, you know, there's so many channels to promote your, your music, uh, you know, directly to the people you're basically getting rid of the middleman. And so now there's this really great middle class. Uh, basically what I mean by that is there's musicians who are never, maybe never going to be super rich or super famous, but if they have a good enough following, they can make enough money to, to live like a normal quote unquote normal life. Like they could buy a house. They could, you know, to me, this is the soldier boys that got the MySpace popping. That's how he came yep. up. That's how he got discovered. Yeah. You know, um, you also got, mm, you got other artists out there that are moving in. Sure. I mean, like the way too. I come at it. Cause I came from the punk rock scene with so. Khalifa, his yeah, merchandise. Totally. Everything he was able to capitalize as far as his brand, his following is what got him there. Yeah, right. Exactly. I can like, sell trays. I can sell rolling papers. My own, like the sky's not even the limits where that dude starts. Yeah, that's smart. He he's definitely an entrepreneurial spirit, you know that that lives in him because yeah, he definitely took advantage of all that stuff and 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 thought about ownership, you know. Right. And uh, <clears throat> from the beginning, right. and that's actually surprisingly, there's a lot of parallels between hip hop and and the punk rock scene. Um, there's a huge DIY element to the punk rock scene like you know you're basically considered i mean not so much these days but back in the day you were considered a sellout if you went with a major label like it was much cooler to go with start your own label do your own thing put out your own records you know sell them at shows sell, and then obviously like when the internet came out start selling them online and uh so it's really it's really uh and I think that's just exploded, obviously, with social media. Now these bands can go like one of my favorite bands in the world is called the Menzingers. And, you know, they've made like, I think, five or six records now. They're all great records. Um, will they ever, you know, have like a top 50 hit in the uh, even on the alt charts or whatever? I don't know. But I'll tell you what, I, you know, pre-COVID, I think they were doing all right. You know, they were surviving, they were yeah. living, they were able to make records and tour a lot, obviously. Mm. Now the question for those guys is what now, you know, with COVID, yeah. like how long is it going to be before, uh, you know, everyone can have shows again and, and, and yeah. feel safe. And uh, so that's a whole new world that in a certain sense is definitely spurring on some innovation, I think, too. Yeah. Have you seen any of these Instagram live shows? No, nah, I haven't had the chance because I've been so caught up in, you know, my mm -hmm. own world and everything, you know, just like you spoke on. Just the, That's kind of the sacrifice you make. Is right. You're going to lose something in order to gain anything, I feel like, in life, right? For sure. You're not going to have it all. You're not going to be able to have the cake and 
Only 24-7, man. Right? That's all you got. I think what's important Time. for these artists now, even like, it's funny how we speak on them as artists, but that's just their chosen profession. They're making the same sacrifices that we're doing as entrepreneurs, right? But their day-to-day consists of recording, right. writing songs, collaboration, yeah. doing uh, media runs, radio, you know, appearances. That's their nine-to-five. They can get so caught up in that to where um, they're losing out on a lot of sleep. Some of them, in, uh, you know, with intention of losing sleep. Yeah. So that rock star <laughs> lifestyle. Right, right. If you if you're trying to really be here as far as um something when your music career let's say is no longer as relevant and you're not able to generate as much interest like you were at one point in time what's that transition yeah. so for us our recording studio our recording sessions in the day to day could be focused on our product our yeah. business tying up the loose ends exactly. starting new things and stuff like that but it's the same thing yeah it, I mean if honestly if like artists. And that's kind of what I, you know, one of the things I was excited about that hasn't come to fruition with creating Aerosmith. I was like, wow, you know, you know, obviously we're squarely focused on helping startups and small businesses, but we're pretty accessible for like artists. It would be super cool to like have a company now that could do a band website or, you know, an artist website and actually Mm -hmm. help them leverage some of the business stuff that could actually grow their brand. And, and, and make them more successful and, and make it so, because ultimately, like, you're right, it is their business, right? Like they're, they're in the business of creating, you it's know? The and the funny thing is, is that, <laughs> that uh, artists and musicians don't realize that it's a business a lot of times, especially yeah. early on, they, they come, reality slaps them in the face at some point and they realize it, but they don't realize that they should be focusing on the business and the flip side is true too. Most entrepreneurs who are coming at it from a business perspective yeah. don't realize that they have to create content. They have to have that side of their yeah. their their. Um, that's a part of being right. an entrepreneur in the modern yeah. era is creating valuable content that 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 can you know. There's a whole lot of benefits to doing that. I don't need to go into. But for me, that was that was um, became the most challenging part was being in on the fence with that transition uh, from going from going from being the artist to becoming more so the record label head. I had other artists that I was working with um, that we collaborated together and they were on, we were on the label imprint that I created and provided on a business end of things administratively. You Mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? Sure. So, Having to have that same spirit as far as wanting to create the music and then also wanting to make sure that the back end as far as the business is on point, that's where you kind of have that tension. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's but that, and that's the same thing that we do. That's like it's it's so funny. I, I, we didn't I didn't even mean to talk about like this to, to use the music metaphor, but it's so true. Um, you know, it, it the the flip the opposite is true coming from the business world. They, they, it's, we all deal with that, right? It's like, oh, I spent all day. There are entire days where, unfortunately, I spend all of my energy putting out fires, dealing with administrative bullshit, um, and sending emails, you know? Mm-hmm. And I've done things to try to, like, minimize that, but it's just like you were saying, like, you know, if you start running the back end, you suddenly you're the record company, you got bills to pay and artists to manage and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. You didn't have the creative energy to, 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 to probably put into your music at yeah. that point. And, and right. The, yeah. So that's what kind of, 
I started to lose a passion for actually creating the right. music. The business started to kind of hinder that, you know, because I needed to be in more of a clear mindset rather than just going out after every single show, you know, girls chasing us, us chasing girls and everything, <laughs> you feel me, after the show and all that. Right. It got to the point where, like, I know I got to be up early to make sure that the show money is right. Right. You see what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, Making yep. sure that we got transportation from one hotel to the next and what we're really doing on that yeah. level, the transportation in itself. That's the T's I was crossing and the I's I was dotting. Right. And then having to create music with the ones that you're riding with at the same time. That says it's a lot. It's a lot. And that's what entrepreneurs face every day in the sense that um, we've all got, there's always going to be fires to put out. And I think that's what's really powerful. And what I love about what I get to do with them, because there's a lot of different answers to that. Obviously, if you're an entrepreneur, you should be really obsessed with efficiency and and uh, I was very fortunate to have the time and the space to set up Smith to be super efficient in the way we operate on all the bullshit that we don't want to deal with. You know, yeah, um, small things can make a huge difference. Our, and 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 I just by virtue of it of having a desire to have an affordable option that like entrepreneurs at all classes could, could access that was still high quality, like with that vision in mind. Um, luckily, uh, the, we had to be efficient to even make that possible. Right. So, but it required to give me some, some stuff up, like, and some of it's good. Like I don't, I don't, I will not email about back and forth five times about setting up a meeting. Here's a goddamn link. Right. Book your yeah. meeting with me yeah. using the link. And if you don't want to do it, then guess what? We ain't meeting. Right. Because <laughs> I don't got time. Out. I don't got time for four emails about one yeah, meeting. Right. And for and, and no one should really like, can we just all stop? Can we all just agree? We need to get on some sort of automatic <laughs> email. Like if you want to meet with someone, send them the link. If they want to meet with you, they'll freaking go through and pick out a time that works for them. And Absolutely. Do it. So little things like that can make a huge difference. But I think the biggest one that when it comes to business that people miss is that if you're that you don't want to just create a job for yourself. Mm -hmm. Like, well, some people might, but ideally you should be thinking about how can I build a brand mm -hmm. that works for me? Yes. So that I don't have to do every single thing and always be selling or always be yeah. on that roller coaster. Yeah, bro. I think that's actually not only the most important aspect of it, but I think it might be one that often gets overlooked too. And I ain't gonna lie to yeah, you. For um, sure. You gotta for me, I was able to create a lifestyle around the things that I'm passionate about. So for me, when I wake up in the morning and I'm getting all my breathing exercises in, just, you know, nice. going over certain visions that I had in my dreams last night, certain things, I really get deep into it, right? Make sure that I'm right before I take on the rest of the day. That's such a great thing to do. Right, and then go help homeless women and children and transgenders alike experiencing poverty for the rest of the day, come back home, get some training in as far as boxing, whether it's running, heavy bag, cardio, you know, lifting, whatever, holding it down with the family. Yep. And getting back up and doing it all over again. I was able to do everything that I wanted that day, including running my own businesses and having my own personal interests involved. Like that to me is the cheat code. Right. 
What is that? What do you mean? What's the cheat code? As far as having a lifestyle revolved around your passion. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Rather and I than think... creating that job, you're like, with a job, you're like, damn, I got to go to work. That right. doesn't even cross my, I'm that just waking does, yeah. up and doing everything I want to do out here. Right. That's the beauty of entrepreneurship is that, um, and, you know, I, you know, it's funny, like, I, if you had asked me at, like, 25, whether I wanted to be in the business world, I would have been like, fuck no, what are you talking about, you know? <laughs> But um, ultimately, you know, uh, I realized that um, I didn't want to compromise. Like, I realized that you've got one life to live. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's too damn short to be spend your whole life um, working for other people so that they can make, right. they, they can make money off your effort. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, we all have to do that. You know, there's some people that enjoy that. Some people want right. to, you know, maybe they got, they want to. They got a hobby or something they want to, yeah. you know, do at night and they just want to check in and out. And that's cool. They'll work for other entrepreneurs, right? Like they'll yeah. work for people who yeah. don't see that. And I, you know, when I was coming up, I was so poor, <laughs> frankly, yeah. and uh, didn't have the resources to even think about starting a business. Mm. I mean, now I think it's a lot easier because there's so many great resources yeah. in like cities and stuff, especially cities like Denver are super involved in trying to empower people that do have business ideas and want to start a business. And that's really what we're about too. Like I, that's why we have training. That's why we have, you know, such affordable prices. Cause like I want to give access to people that want to make that leap uh, and, 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 and make that process easier and help them avoid mistakes. But, um, and, and uh, but I guess my main point was just that, like, I've never been a, the way that came to, in my life, the way that came about or the manifested itself, maybe more accurately, was I never compromised on, like, I never, never is a strong word, but I hardly ever compromised on the type of jobs that I had before I became an entrepreneur. Gosh, that speaks volumes. Like, I would always... Even if it required me to to maybe make just a little bit less money, um, I would choose the job that I had a passion or an interest in. And not too many people can say that, Chad. There's a lot of people doing things that they don't necessarily want to do when they want to be somewhere else. And for my brand, No Cap, we really tap into that. We really want to pay attention to the things that you wish you were doing while you're doing something else. Because that should be a clear indication of where you need to invest your time and energy. Absolutely. And and like I've talked about before, like not in the past that used to just be a fun choice. Like, hell, maybe as a hobby, I'll start a little crafting business at right. night and sell my stuff on Etsy or whatever. Um, great. Well, now that I, in my opinion, that is something that everyone should do because obviously we can't depend on these huge corporations to, to look out for us when times get tough. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've seen that with all the layoffs. And it's actually small businesses that are hiring people back post COVID, yep. not the large ones. Yeah, they're just all super excited about getting higher margins. They're like, "Oh, yep. maybe we can deal with a little yeah. few less VPs. <laughs> maybe we got some duplication and save a lot of money." <laughs> right. But, but you know, but no, you're like, um, yeah. So I just like was never a person, and my one of my deepest regrets, and it's not a big deal because I'm I'm pursuing what I want to do now is that I just wish I would have, if I could go back in time 20 years and just tell myself, like, start that business idea that you have now. Like, start it, start, learn, fail, 
do the thing, go through it, you know, because uh, you get better and better at it every time that you go through the process. I could say the same thing about boxing because I started boxing really when I was, I want to say, um, 19, 20, somewhere in there. A minute ago, right? <laughs> but uh, just how I've been able to really attack this thing being older and having a different mindset and everything, yeah. you can't help but wonder, you know, what could have, should have, would it or whatever. But yeah. That would have that would have impeded on everything I was able to experience as far as the music. Yeah. So I feel like it's all part of your journey. You it see is. what I'm saying? Like I'd For never sure. take back any experience I had on any stage. Yeah. Any show. Nice. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't get that back. Right. So I really just trust in the process and believe I'm a firm believer in not everything happens when you necessarily want it to, but when sped when there's like when they're supposed to. Right. You know? Yeah, for sure. And you're right. It's like it's it's pretty much a waste of time to think like, well, if I had a time machine, I'd go back and <laughs> do that. But it's like also do you like look at much like an artist, you know, like when you make something, at the time you make it, you're like, Oh my god, this is my favorite thing I've ever made. Uh-huh. And then you go back maybe a year later and read it or look at the painting or listen to the music that you made. Then yeah. you're like, fuck, this sucks. That was so <laughs> bad. I can't believe I thought that was good. Here's the thing, though. You, you can walk out the studio and think you got the hottest shit in the world, right? And then as soon as you get that resistance, like, did that, not, did that idea not work? And you, it starts to go on your side, your own head and everything. Yeah. But I'm going to speak on, like, as an artist, you also create things for you at the same time. Right. You see what I'm saying? Then certain ideas that you might overlook that really catch on. You see oh, what I'm absolutely. saying? So it, I for feel sure. like it's a mix right. of everything. But that's part of being an artist. Not every single idea is going to be the greatest idea. But that one that you might even least expect. Or sometimes you know, like, nah, that's out of here. That's going. Cool. Yeah. You know? Right. It's just a mixed bag. It is. And that's that's why it's so and that's so true in entrepreneurship too. Like yes. it's you know, you look there's some amazing examples of that. You know, you look at a a, a company like Slack with a billion dollar valuation, they they weren't to they didn't come together and even get funding to build Slack. They literally just built Slack as a tool that they could use. They were trying to build some freaking I want to say it was like an online game thing or like some like web browsing or web based video game thing. I, I may be wrong about that, but, um, but, and they built Slack as a messaging app just for their own internal use as a team. And literally they were down to like a hundred grand of their funding left. Ooh-wee. And they're like, we're never going to get this, this online game it's there's no way we can do it what could we do (laughs) and they're like well we've got this pretty cool like messaging app maybe we should do that right and and then out of nowhere there you go there's a billion dollar uh company well i don't don't really believe that i think they're i mean yes they're very successful yeah 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 you know like those valuations are kind of crazy but but yeah no there's a huge company and so you, you never know right one of those ideas it's one it's one of those things and so all the things we talked about are so true and i think that the big point i want to make to people is a couple of things the first one is um to start a business or to be an entrepreneur you you know we get so focused on like the shark tank steve jobs like okay so i'm gonna if i want to start a business oh i've got to like invent the you know reinvent the wheel or the and 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 first of all, that's that's just not true, right? Like, um, 
really all it comes down to is one thing is is finding a problem in the world that you're passionate about solving and you don't even have to be passionate like happy passionate about solving it it could be something that just really annoys the piss out of you that's a fact <laughs> you know i mean it could yeah. just be just like the guys at slack who were like uh you know i i'm tired of emailing everyone all the time and you know having to hunt through emails to like find that one thing that somebody sent me and they you know why not create a messaging app with channels yeah <gasps> and it's like i remember the first time i saw slack i'm like huh <laughs> so it's just messaging with channels yeah okay cool i guess that's worth a billion dollars <laughs> right but no i mean you know and it is i'm not talking smack like good for them you know like yeah but it's just those um, but yeah, if you just have a problem or something that annoys you, um, it, it, even if you're, if you're pat, the passion doesn't always have to be positive, right? It, it could just be like, Oh, this is such a frustrating experience. Yeah. And I think I have the aptitude or the idea to, to, to change it. Yeah. And if I have this problem, other people in the world yeah. probably have this problem too. Yeah. Brewster.com. Perfect example. The owner. Was in his early twenties now, but I believe it was in his late teens. Don't hold me to that when he started the company and everything. But he basically um, sells insulated um, materials for uh, alcoholic beverages. So, okay, you know, this is going to be cups that basically keep the temperature at what you initially got it at. Whether it's a hot beverage, cold nice. beverage, or whatever, it could be wine, it could be beer. Could be whatever, but for alcohol, right? Because you kind of see him for like coffee right. and stuff. But and now yeah. he's in the Fortune 500, generating well over a million dollars a month, doing the simplest thing. Yeah, it's, he didn't reinvent the wheel. He wasn't the first one to come out with, you know, right? Yeah, anything right. insulated like that. Uh, beverage right. holders. Yeah. And his best friend, one of his homies, told me like the richest people I know, the most successful people I know, do the simplest things. Yeah, I think it's just like. uh it's all about finding simple solutions or or maybe big problems and making a simple solution like yeah. making it easy there's millions billions of dollars to be made in this world simply by taking things that are hard complex or frustrating for people mm -hmm. and making it easy mm -hmm. so it's not as hard to start a business as you might think it is mm -hmm. and beyond that I think it's one of the most valuable things you can do for yourself as a human being, because when you start a business, you you're forced to but for your own survival, you're forced to really take a, a, an unbiased, unfiltered look at yourself. Um, and, and, and you begin to realize like, Oh, I am not good at X, but I am really good at Y. Yeah. And I think life largely, I think we all are born with like inherent talents, things that we're naturally mm -hmm. good at. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the big secrets I've learned in life is that it's most people just want to follow those things that they're really good at and just kind of dive into that. And that's great. I mm -hmm. think there's a time in your life where you need to do that mm -hmm. because talent is fine. Mm -hmm. But as we know, like coming from a musician background, you can be super talented, but you've got to develop that skill around that too. And really get in your 10,000 hours as Malcolm Gladwell talks about. Yeah. But, 
Um, but the the uh, sort of parallel point to that is that you should at the same time uh, be developing and enhancing the things about you that you're not naturally good at so you become more of a whole person, a more yeah, well-rounded yeah. person. Yeah. And uh, entrepreneurship forces you to do that. That could be a scary moment for a lot of um, people, though. I don't even want to say entrepreneurs. It could be people. It could be the first time you're experiencing anything that you haven't done before. It's that nerve-wracking feeling. You see what I'm saying? Totally. It naturally comes with it. I call it fear, um, you know? Yep. yep. But it could be, like you said, it could be the most powerful thing if you use that fear to push you from behind rather than to let it stand in front of you. Absolutely. That's, that's where a lot of transformation really goes down at. Yeah. Oh, totally. And then listen, there's no doubt there's risks to starting a business. I mean, you can minimize those in, in a lot of different ways, um, which we'll certainly talk about. But um, there is a fear factor, especially, you know, if you're of my generation, where where it was entrepreneurship was like this weird thing that nobody did, and we were all like brought up in an educational system that was, hey, you're all now you're a high school graduate, so go get that job at that factory. Mm-hmm. That's what we prepared you yeah. for, essentially, or go to college yeah. and maybe get you know a better job. But yeah. um, but you know the thing is, is that I you know it if you can. Once you start that business and you make that leap, and I love the my my one of my favorite quotes about entrepreneurship is from the founder of LinkedIn, Reed Hoffman, and he says something to the effect of starting a business is like jumping out of jumping off of a building and building the airplane on the way down. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what it is. This is exactly how it feels. Yeah, absolutely. It's turbulent. Yeah, it is. And <laughs> and the the beauty of that is both in the pressure that that puts on you. Yeah. Because that's a big motivating factor. Oh man. Yeah. Man, see and that's how I operate. Like in boxing, you get punched in the face. Like, all right, no, nah, we in a fight now. Like, <laughs> right, right, yeah, yeah. Like, nah, that's what we signed up for, you know? For sure. But then you have certain people that will just fold at the first sign of resistance or challenge or whatever. Right. That's what's really going to separate you. Yeah, that's what separates the the really successful entrepreneurs from the ones that that just give it up and, and go get the job and work for someone else. And yeah. you know what I mean? Because it's it's... I mean, you look at all the, the, the stories out there of people who are in their 40s or, or even older that finally achieved success after many failures. I mean, the first one that comes to mind for me is the, is the um, Ray Kroc, you know, um, not that I, I love McDonald's, but uh, I haven't eaten there in probably 10 years or something, yeah. but, yeah. but uh, I, I try to avoid it. But mm-hmm. nonetheless, the guy had multi failure after failure after mm-hmm. failure. And then finally actually found a company that, uh, and, and, and just saw that pathway and, and it opened up for him and, and really dove deep into it. And, and obviously there were struggles and, you know, he became, he became a multimillionaire, uh, you know, based on that, that process of being willing to, being willing to fail. I mean, we talk about an entrepreneurship all the time. Failure is part of the yeah. the deal. Yeah. It happens. And I think it's, you know, we've set up like everything, everybody in this world, uh, in America especially, is so black and white about everything. And uh, meaning like you're either a success or you're a failure. 
And yeah. what what's really difficult to explain to people is once you realize, once you're in it, once you're an entrepreneur, mm. like, you know, it's there. There's like micro failures that that occur. You're like, oh, I thought our customers would really want mm. X, but they don't. And so why we talk about embracing failure so much is that if you don't, if you don't adapt and see that, like, and just be real with yourself, be like, okay, this thing is not working. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and if you're, if you fail to adapt quick enough, you will fit like your overall business will fail. Right. That's right. A lot of people are finding that out right now with this COVID shit. And there's a difference between a loss and defeat. See what I'm saying? A loss is temporary. A defeat is when you quit. That's the only guaranteed way you're not going to get to the finish line. Yeah. Otherwise, you really got to stay 10 toes down in what you believe in and not quit and just take this thing from the universe if it doesn't give it to you. One of the two things, that's my mentality. I'm yep. either going to, is it going to come to me because I earned that, I deserve it, or I'm going to take it. Right. That's the difference. Yeah. Seriously. And even with um, a loss, man, there's so much value in a loss, you're going to have losses in life, period. Yeah. Anybody that thinks they're going to just get through this joint with no losses and think they're going out like Floyd Money Mayweather in life, yeah. it doesn't go down like that. But there's so much value in what you learn from the loss. Yeah. You really got to be grateful for the losses, but just don't be defeated. Right, exactly. Don't let it get you down. Be a, be a, be a person that adapts to change yeah. rather than resist it. I think there's so many on so many levels with everything that's going on in our country. Like I think everyone could learn that lesson, right? Like, you know, it's Loss, like, yeah. 40, I don't even know what it is. 40 plus million jobs and stuff. That's yeah. a lot of jobs that were lost. Right. Yeah. And what, and what remains to be seen is how many of those come back. So, yep. um, and so I just want to encourage you, if you've ever thought about starting a business, you know, um, and you want and you have fears about it know that there are resources out there for people like you hero smith is here i will talk to anyone that wants to start a business you can book a free session with me right on our website and um and 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 i'm happy to to help you uh think about you know your idea help you develop it that's what i love doing i love helping people take that kernel of an idea and yeah. develop it into a really scalable, uh, high growth brand. And so, um, if you have a problem that you're, that you're, you're passionate about solving and, um, you want to grow as a person and challenge yourself, entrepreneurship is, is where it's at for you. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So, and then, I guess the last thing I wanted to say about all this is just that um, shit. I actually lost my train of thought. As you can tell, I didn't get much sleep last night. No, you're good. (laughs) You're good. You want to get back to it. I definitely want to just speak on um, as a man that does business with you. And obviously our relationship has grown tremendously since you were pretty much there when I made this leap. Yeah. You know, Uh, but even before I got to, um, Realize how much of a real one that you are, and you're my right hand, you're my ace now. You feel yeah, me? yeah. Well, I realized that. Thank you. I knew on top, you. like your business is essentially our business, 
Right. So us adding value to your business is going to create more value for our business. That's just how I always looked at it. It's a win-win situation. For sure. We're in this together. You're in this yeah. with us. That's what, what I'm that's saying. That's why you're important. Yeah. I always want to remind you of that every single time I see you, man. Thanks, like, man. No, nah, you, you, man. Appreciate that. Yeah. That means a lot coming from you. You're you're one of my uh, you're one of the early adopters here, yep. and and uh, and that means uh, you know we just had our year anniversary. Did right. you know that? Yeah, yeah, it was June. That. yeah. yes, sir. Yeah, just the other day we had our year anniversary, yeah. and uh, man, looking back on that year and thinking about all the challenges that came along. I mean, we had some drama go down that I'll probably <laughs> talk about on the podcast at at some point, but uh, but yeah, I mean, shit got real real. And, uh, you know, it's varying degrees of, uh, <laughs> of, uh, of things since then, but, but, you know, it's that survival mentality and, and, you know, that we talked about this before, but I think coming up the way I did, uh, that put me in a better position to be, uh, more adaptable and learn that like, I can, you know, I can survive a lot of things, you know, hundred percent. And, uh, so I'm thankful for that. One cool thing this week, I got a really cool tool that I want to share with you. You know, one of the big things about being an entrepreneur is being able to conceptualize and create prototypes of your idea. And so my one cool thing for this week is a really killer website that allows you uh, to make wireframes and conceptual drawings uh, of you know, any sort of digital kind of product that you want to create. So it's called wireframe.cc. And that is the website address wireframe.cc. You can make killer mock-ups, prototypes for your digital products, everything, anything from a website design to an app to anything you want. And the, and the beautiful thing is uh, it's a free tool now there's obviously like it's a freemium model, so there's some extended functionality if you actually pay for it. Um, but they do a great job of giving you enough to really get those concepts down and kind of keeping, you know, really getting you into the meat of the work of prototyping what what your business idea is. So check out wireframe.cc. That's our one cool thing of the week. DeAndre, what's going on in the news, my man? Man, we're going to get right into it. I'm going to jump into something I feel like everybody's getting more and more familiar with. As Zoom gets a boost from pandemic, as many people work remotely, Zoom Video Communications, Inc. recently revealed its full-year sales outlook after more than doubling its gross revenue in recent months. The communication tech company headquartered in San Jose, California, reported first quarter sales of $328 million, Damn. up 169% from a year earlier. Amid a surge in users working remotely from home, the new virus has seemingly been both a gift and a curse. The pandemic has obviously elevated the company's profile, but in turn has also exposed security and safety shortcomings that the now nine-year-old company is rushing to address. Despite the video platform's flaws, sales for the full year are projected to reach $1.8 billion. Damn. You know what? That's a great story of entrepreneurship. You consider... You know, who, how many people, what percentage of the population, you know, three months ago have ever heard of Zoom? <laughs> I mean, I had used it before and I, I think it was kind of my go-to tool for, for meetings and stuff before the pandemic. But, 
now everybody i mean my mom knows what's going <laughs> yeah, on. Like, that's, we're, that's a household name now you know and think about the persistence though right. think about everyone wants to talk about the billions of dollars now but the founder of Zoom is talking about the eight and a half years before the right when he thought when he was hanging on by his fingernails, exactly. trying to make this thing happen. And uh, you know what a great story of resilience. And I'll tell you what, how many products out there? I mean, ask yourself if you're a founder of a startup, how many products out there? How many of you that have a digital product could handle? you know, like a quadrupling of the amount of users in such a short amount of time. I mean, my goodness, I would love to get like user data on how many users they had five months ago, daily active users and, and versus now, I mean, they have had to, I don't even know. I mean, we're talking millions more people using this thing and relatively speaking, I know they had some security issues, but I mean, they executed that transition, that kind of growth flawlessly. Right. I got a number for you. 300 million daily meeting participants up from 10 million at the end of the 2019. Holy shit. That's insane. That's insane. <laughs> uh, I, I, you know, I think that about probably 80% of the, of the digital products out there, if they grew like 3000%, <laughs> You know, within a, a month, I think that everything they have would break. <laughs> right. Man, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, it's a quality problem. But you know what? Like, <laughs> I got to commend them. Like, yes, you know, there were some security issues, um, you know, and, 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 and maybe there are things they could have done earlier. But I feel like they, they jumped on it and they adapted really quickly and yep. came out with a brand new version, yep. uh, you know, and and really spoke to the people people's concerns and and adapted their product virtually in real time to meet those concerns <laughs> that's a fact and so kudos to them yeah i wish i'd bought stock a while ago yeah no worries man i'm also going to bring it back to the neighborhood and make it a little bit more local uh, i will definitely touch on how a new startup company in colorado is disrupting the insurance industry thanks mm. to u.s auto insurance now based in aurora colorado Thousands of people around the country are saving money on their car insurance, and no, it's not by switching to Geico, Chad. <laughs> With 260 million licensed drivers in the U.S., the comparison shopping marketplace business model helps car insurance hopefuls compare quotes by providing a free service online. Created by a group of self-described math nerds, U.S. Auto Insurance Now is featured in the Inc. 5000 list as one of the fastest-growing companies. You can save hundreds on your insurance bills by simply providing your zip code and driver info on their efficient and trusted website, usautoinsurancenow.com. Huh. Interesting. So is it just that they're like crunching numbers and uh, you, you basically provide them a zip code and a little bit of driver information, information yeah. and they're able to pull from all different um, databases, insurance sources. But once again, they're not reinventing the wheel. Right. It just created a system that was easy to use. User friendly is what we would call it in the exactly. web design world. Right. You know I mean? Right. That's what there I'm talking go. about. That's exactly what we were talking about earlier. It's like they didn't invent anything new necessarily, maybe a little bit of code and a little, but basically what they did was make it easier to get the best deal on car insurance or whatever kind of insurance. I right. It's just Absolutely. car probably for now, but it'll, I'm sure they'll expand in, into other platforms for right. insurance. Yeah. Uh, a lot of money to be made in making things easier. Yeah. So find a problem that annoys the crap out of you or that you're passionate about solving 
and create a business to solve it. Yes, sir. We're going to end it on a sweet note, Chad. When's the last time you had some ice cream? Ah, it's been too long. Right. Ice cream kills my stomach. That's one of the things that sucks about oh, being no. in my 40s. I used to like, <laughs> I used to get down on some ice cream on the regular, but now I like only can have it like maybe once every couple of weeks. It's probably been my wife and I got just like stir crazy cabin fever and went through the drive through at Andy's frozen custard. Have you ever been to one of those? Yeah. yeah. Oh right. my God. It's a good spot to go to. <laughs> Talk about a great, like, man, talk about a great franchise to get involved with. I feel like, yeah, anyway, I feel like there's, they've got to have good margins in there. Because, like, there's only a couple of kinds of ice cream. Right. And it's the toppings. Right. And it's the drive-through. Right. You know. And as I, having experience in that world, I'll tell you the. the oh, yeah. Gosh, I forgot nah, about that. No, you're right. The profit margin is a lot larger than your traditional restaurants that are paying for meats, poultries, and higher price items as opposed to. Reese's Pieces, chocolate chips, sprinkles. Right. Yeah, which well, you can all buy in like, you know, 20, probably 20 right. pound bags or something. It's really yeah. the labor and the in the utilities and leasing sure. and everything. That's yeah. more so. But no, nah, that's a flip. Yeah. But I definitely want to put you on game as far as uh, two new companies coming straight out of Colorado. Um, nice. Small Batch Ice Cream Companies, Pites Pink Ice Cream, and Smith and Cannon Ice Cream Company are among the latest Denver companies that have taken off in recent weeks. Both companies who specialize in handmade ice cream not only believe in quality over quantity, but more importantly, following the fine dining rule of making everything from scratch. Whenever you walk into an ice cream parlor that has 50 flavors brightly shining at you, that's cool, but that's not my brand, says the owner of Smith & Cannon Ice Cream Company, Kurt Peterson. Most ice cream shops work with pre-mixed creams and flavor concentrates, Whereas Pints Pink Ice Cream founder, Caitlin, I don't even want to mess up her last name, who was laid off from her catering company earlier this year, won't stand for him. I think we've forgotten what homemade ice cream tastes like, she says. Everything from the malted vanilla bean bases to balancing the water content with fresh fruits are the exact details that these two scratch-made ice cream companies focus on, while most simply don't. Nice. And I'm DeAndre, and that's your live from the Vault News chat. All right. Yeah. Way to drop it, man. Thanks. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. You know, I love the. I love that we live in a world now where there's an appreciation in virtually every field that you can imagine that it, where craftsmanship is appreciated. Right. Like, yes, you can go to the 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 Kroger uh, King Poopers, as I call it. <laughs> Cause it's basically Kroger's with the, you know, with the Colorado brand on it, um, you know, and buy the cheap ice cream. But, uh, the fact is that, that even if you have, you know, it comes back to the same kind of idea with a business, right? Like you can have something that's for everybody or you can have something that's for a very special people who are maybe in this case, connoisseurs of ice cream who get off on that. And that's one of the things about entrepreneurship that I think people, uh, in their own heads that prevent them from starting a business is they think, ah, this isn't like big enough. Like there's not enough people who actually care about this thing that I'm really passionate about. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so there's not a business there. Well, let me tell you something. There's a whole crap ton of people in this world and you would be surprised. Like there are some strange ass businesses out there. Not that this ice cream <laughs> company is strange, but yeah. there's weird stuff. I mean, you know, uh, you think if, if I had told you, you know, a year, you know, 
even five, maybe 10 years ago that there would be a whole business um, of watching other kids online play video games online mm-hmm. and their real time commentary mm-hmm. Twitch basically right. like that. You know, I, I you, no one would have believed you, right? I mean, you know, there's all the examples, Uber, you know, uh, Airbnb and all that stuff. Nobody would have believed any of those things were possible. But um, even beyond, like with the Twitch example, I used to work and be co-working neighbors with a company that that all they did, their whole niche, was they sat, set up tournaments for all these people that are on Twitch playing games. They would yeah. set up tournaments yeah. and they would do that. I'm like, what? Right. That's so incredible. Like, yeah. I love it. It's there, you know, that's the beauty of, uh, you know, there's a lot of downsides to everyone in the world being connected via our phones and, and social media and whatnot. Yeah, One of the, combo. yeah, yeah, for sure. But the upside is that all of us, who maybe thought we were crazy or freaks or weird and into this one little niche thing, we can all find each other now. We can all play in the same garden and have a good old time. And Yeah. Well, thanks for, for that news, man. Uh, appreciate that. And thanks for joining us on Live from the Vault. Uh, our theme song is brought to you by Denver's own Pine Tree Janitorial Service. Check them out on Spotify or at pinetreejs.com. Be sure to check out aerosmith.com for all your small business marketing needs and check out nocap.world for DeAndre Yow's uh, own products and headwear brand. Yes, sir. All right, we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. It's always the same. It's your fault, but I'll share in the blame.